Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited as I always am. It's a beautiful Friday morning. God knows when you're listening to this, but it's sunny and it's Friday in my in my world right now. And I've got my guest on today, Miss Catherine Simonson. How are you, Catherine? I'm wonderful, thank you. How are you? I am really good. That's the last time I'm going to call you Catherine because you've already given me the green light to call you Katie. <laughs> and um, I'm going to break one rule of podcasting. I'm going to let the audience in. How do we know each other and tell that long word? Long story short, my business partner, who everyone knows is Chad Croker, I've been we're in business with for many, 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 many years, 15 years in business and so probably 20 years hanging out. He married a wonderful lady and you are her sister. So that's how Katie and I know each other. And we were joking before we went on. I think we know of each other more than we know each other, like really know each other. Sure, we've been at the wedding together and we've done those things. But I know you as this incredibly accomplished individual. And I'm not going to read the bio that your sister, your very proud sister sent to me, but multiple degrees, intense level of fitness, comp- competing on a global stage. So I don't even know how to set the set the tone. Um I'm going, to start it, I'm going to start it this way. With all the things that you do, and we're going to unpack this. That's the joy of They Just Get It. We get to go on kind of a journey. What is the thing that you're doing in your life right now that you're actually the most excited about? Like, what gets you the most pumped? Is it the fitness competition? Is it your, your, your job working as a lawyer? What, what is some of your non-for-profit work? What's blowing you away right now? I think it would have to be getting back into the competing world because I took many, many years off from it. Okay. thinking I wouldn't be a competitor again in, as an individual. Uh, I've competed in soccer consistently for many years. I haven't taken a break from that. But I stopped competing as an individual after, or I'm sorry, when I went to law school. And I figured, okay, I'm good. I'm done. Like this part of my life is over. I got, and then, it, I got, it, out of my, I got it out of my system. <laughs> yeah. The and then in February... This race, and then I was like, "Why? Why have I stopped competing? I love competing, and I love doing it myself, taking that on myself." So, let's try one race, and then the next thing you know, I'm five competitions deep. I have another one next weekend. I might do one tomorrow. <laughs> Just because. And so, what? What are you competing? I've got the website up here, but this is something relatively new. This hasn't been on my radar. You originally, were you involved in CrossFit kind of way back, like when it was, because this is different. High Rocks, am I saying that correctly? Yes. Okay. Okay. What is High Rocks? What's CrossFit? Is there some blend here or am I just jamming two concepts together that I shouldn't? Hmm. So I did CrossFit competitively for probably about two years. And then I went to law school and I was still playing soccer. And I was like, man, I can't be in the gym for hours a day. It's just too much. So I kind of quit the whole CrossFit competition scene. and then. Back in February, I heard about High Rocks, and it is a race. It is a standardized race. It is the same every single time, and it is absurd in the best way. <laughs> so when, when a CrossFit athlete tells you that this is absurd, that really sets the bar for anybody who knows. And I think CrossFit's done a really good job from a... Uh, well, that's the joke, right? How do you know someone's doing CrossFit? Don't worry, I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. cross, CrossFit's and vegans are right out there telling you what they're doing. And that's okay. Um, is this, okay, I like the standardized approach. So you know every time which where CrossFit's a little bit of a mixed bag, right? Like you kind of don't know what you're going to be doing Completely when you show up on egg. competition day. Yeah, yeah. So which is truly, so do you find from a balanced athlete perspective, do you need to be more, like what's the difference of the two? Because showing up and you only know what's getting thrown at you would sound harder in a way, but then you say that this one is insane, like insane as its own. Is there a different level of uh, preparedness for each one, knowing what you're going to do versus having it thrown you thrown down the, the rabbit hole? <laughs> yeah. So with CrossFit, there is significantly more movements. There is more skills that need to be developed. Uh, there's a strength component, a gymnastics component, a cardio component. 
And every single competition is going to be different. You're going to have different events that will change every single year they host the competition. Uh, you'll have basically anything that whoever's throwing the event wants to come up with. They can mix and match and play with whatever they want, different weights, different movements, different pairings. With high rocks, it's going to be the same every single time with very slight modifications, just maybe layout depending on the conference center that you're running in. But it's, oh my goodness, it's so hard. The first time I raced it, I was halfway through the race and I thought to myself, this is insane. I'm never doing this again. This is absolute bullshit. I think I might throw up mid-race. Like, what was I getting myself into? I'm toast. Like, I'm done. Never again. (laughs) So clearly that's when you you knew you loved it. That's when you knew you loved it. That's when you knew you loved it. And what what is it about that moment of like, oh shit, like I'm screwed. Like I'm going to throw up. I'm going to die. Uh, that people hearing this going, why would you do that? Like a lot of people don't even try to go walk around the, run around the block because it might make them feel that way. What is it about for you? Or do you, you know, have you spent those quiet moments with yourself going, what is it that keeps sucking me into that? Like, why do you love that? Moment, I'm like, okay, don't be a little bitch, basically. <laughs> Like, don't, don't like, okay. you're tougher right. than this. Don't, don't be okay. weak. You're tougher than this. Uh, okay. but ultimately I think it comes down to pushing myself outside my comfort zone. Okay. And in order to do that now, I need to do things that are quite challenging or okay. yep. make me put me in a position of vulnerability. And I guess it doesn't need to be physically demanding to make me be vulnerable, but when it comes to athletics, that's kind of what it needs to be so anything that yeah pushes me outside my comfort zone makes me uncomfortable makes me really have to try and the athletes that do this race are so incredible and so talented that even being an excellent athlete myself i can't just walk in and sweep the field and win like the training behind it has been bonkers I love I, I love the two dialogues. So I love you're in the moment and it's like, don't be a bitch. Like you're tougher than this. You can do it. You use that self-talk to get yourself through, but you use some really interesting words, you know, outside my comfort zone. Some people love it. Some people shy away from that. I think the research, depending on what rabbit hole you want to go down, really shows that is where growth happens is outside our comfort zones. It's not sitting on our yeah. couch watching a movie. We're all really good at that, watching Harry Potter or Gremlins, as we talked about earlier. Um, there's two pop, <laughs> two, pop, two pop culture references I worked in in the first mm-hmm. five minutes. But you use the word vulnerability. And I think that's really powerful. And sometimes when... I'm sitting on the sidelines watching you. And I sometimes feel like I am because your sister is sending me videos the whole time you're, you're competing and she's in the audience. <laughs> and I get video after video after video of you kicking ass. The word vulnerability is not what comes to mind. And I think that's really powerful. It's like, I always love to break down the paradigm of what we all think we see. Of like, oh, that person never questions. They never second guess themselves. They, they, don't, they clearly showed up and do that. But I love what you said about finding things that actually put you in a place of being vulnerable that's a, was that always super clear? Is that something you've come to kind of with time realizing? Cause that's a big word that sometimes gets, I would say put in a positive or negative bucket, depending mm-hmm. on perception. Misconstrued. Right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So when did vulnerability or just like admitting that or realizing that or chasing that become a conscious thing for you? I think that actually acknowledging it for what it was is something that's come about very recently, probably in the last six months. It's always been there. You just aren't, conscientious enough that that's actually what you're doing and i think that that really came into play when i started sorry my cat when i started competing again because 
you're, you're putting yourself out there and there's such a risk of failure, not even failing compared to other athletes, but comp- failing compared to yourself and what you know you're capable of and what you know your potential is. So that to me is and can be a very scary, daunting thing, right? No kidding. I know. I really appreciate it. I like what you said even about the last six months because life's a journey, right? And you, we kind of bang mm-hmm. our way through when we're younger, sometimes not realizing all of the nuance. And I don't know about you, but I think thing, I think about things in a different way as, as, as I get older, quote unquote, whatever, whatever that means. I just, it just means you've been on the journey for longer. <laughs> I don't know about even the word older, yeah. younger. I've just been, okay, like you said, the last six months, and you've been a competitive athlete your whole life and you played at a very high, very high level. Uh, talk to me a little That's bit right. about the difference of, you know, it is competition. It's a race. What's the camaraderie like? Like there is a certain bonding that happens when you're on a team and you made the comment about, I didn't know if I would do the, need to do the individual side of it again. I know a lot of my friends that did CrossFit, although they were competing against each other, the love, the admiration, the respect, the, the lift the other up, I found very prevalent in that world at the, at, in the way that I saw it. Is that something you experience or are we out to like crush each other? But then at the end of the day, we're super supportive because you made it through and I made it through and we both know how tough this freaking thing is. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I wasn't sure what the camaraderie aspect would be like because it was a totally different world to me. And it's been around for, don't quote me, I want to say four or five years. Okay. Um, and I just, I had no idea what I was walking into. And that in itself can be a little scary, daunting. You don't know what the atmosphere and what the competitors back, will be like. Back to vulnerability, right? Back to comfort zone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you know what? Everyone has, for the most part, been really fantastic. Uh, we all suffer together. And at the end of the day, with rare exceptions, you're all going through the same form of torture. And what someone else's race is, and this is the beauty of the individual aspect, doesn't necessarily impact my race. So if someone has an absolutely spectacular race, I can still have a spectacular race myself, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the neat part about it. I love you said, except for some exceptions, there's always douchebags. Let's be honest. <laughs> like it's always somebody I mean, who's going to be like, Oh man, I'm going like, why do you have to be like that? But whatever. That's cool. Like, yeah, that's not the, hopefully the exception, exception, uh, not, not the norm. Um, I don't want to camp out on this too much, but it's like, again, I love it because in our society right now, we're, we're kind of bubble wrapping everything. We're making everything so safe and comfortable, but yet I find that yet certain individuals, and I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about the more we go down the safe and and like everyone gets a medal and everybody wins road, the more all of a sudden there's this backlash. And I see it around these types of sports like CrossFit where it's like, no, 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 you will work yourself. You're tougher than this. Don't be a bitch. That is a very unpopular <laughs> sentiment, I would say, in our society at large today. But, you know, I, I certainly I know a lot of individuals that certainly chase in all certain forms. It can be backcountry skiing. It can be crazy hikes. I got a buddy who runs the the Moab 240 and who does the spine in Northern England. Like he runs 500 kilometers in the snow in the middle of winter. Again, you you would, you'd get along great with them because you are. And he says the same thing, like this tendency to give up too early versus finding out what we're actually capable of, which sometimes is that don't be a bitch. And that's what he, he jokes. He goes, our bodies will do like our minds want to check out long before we're actually physically actually have. Oh yeah. And you know, people like you that go out of your way to chase, to chase that down. (laughs) It, well, you it, it know, feels so like an outlier in our society, that. but I love it. But I love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. I think that generally society has become quite soft and coddled, and myself included, to the extent that during the lockdowns and everything, life was just so different and we all had to adjust. And now that we're out of it, 
I guess I felt like things got, I mean, it was very, very challenging for many reasons, but things almost got in some ways kind of easy and I wasn't pushing myself and I wasn't challenging myself. And in my head, I'm like, okay, what's the best way to sharpen a sword? Got to take it to battle, right? So (laughs) I'm like, how can I improve myself? How can I make myself better, stronger, and kind of get that edge back that I feel like has softened? And I was like, go to battle. To me, that's the only way to do it. So here we go. <laughs> you, you reminded me of a quote that I had to look up. Hard times creates, and this is, says men, but it's, it's the context of the quote. I, I will resist the word, changing You're the word fine. men. But None I'll, of I'll, that I'll re- bothers I know, me, I'm I like Because it's like, I know, I know just as many or more strong kick-ass women than I do men. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. And good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. Quote from a post-apocalyptic novel. And I've heard people bastardize this recently, but it's kind of on the same theme of what we're talking mm-hmm. about. You get Things get too good, they get too easy. We, get, we all get soft in our, in our lives. And that's just part of the journey Agreed. too. And that doesn't mean everyone has to go out and throw themselves down a mountain or, or around a, a race course that's going to make them throw up by, by exercise three. What do you do on the, what do you do on those? I, I got the, I got the, I got the self-talk in the middle of the race. Like, don't be a bitch. Let's go. Let's do it because you're, you're in it. You're living it. You're moving. You're di- you're dying at the same time. Anyone who's done any kind of stream, extreme level of physicality knows exactly where your mind's like, just sit down. Like, what are you doing? This is crazy. You're going to hurt yourself. Come on, just take a break. It's so easy. No, I will not. The other, it's like the good voice and the bad voice on each shoulder. What about those mornings when you wake up and you just don't want to train? Like you're not in the race. You're not in the heat of the moment. You're just, it's quiet. It's you and the cat. It's cuddle time at 6 a.m. And you're like, <laughs> is it the same voice? Is it like, get out of bed, you bitch, you need to train? Or is there like, where do you find the motivation in those days? Because a lot of people, just to get to that point, that's a tough step for them. Yeah, and I'm human, so I'm susceptible to that as well. I, w- I, I was, I was suspicious, <laughs> even though you do, you do look superhuman right now in the video, but you are human. Mm-hmm. So those days definitely come, those moments come, the frustration comes. Uh, it's a combination of two things. I think one of it, one piece of it is I think about what I want most versus what I want right now. And I focus on short-term, long-term goals. And I'm like, okay, if I got into a competition and I did even 1% less well than what I thought I could do or what I wanted to do, I'll think back to if I would have got out of bed that day, if I would have trained a little harder that day, was that the difference? Was that the difference between me winning or getting second? And I never want to leave that on the table. The other piece of it is, and my wonderful friend told me this quote ages ago. um, He said to me, discipline equals freedom. And I completely agree. And that discipline sometimes I just honestly turn my brain off and I just go and I just get into it and I try not to think about it at all and let the discipline that I've developed and the muscle memory that I've developed carry me when my brain is like, dude, just go lay down, drink a coffee, have a croissant, like it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Eat some bonbons. It's amazing how many bonbons you can probably eat when you're burning the amount of calories that you burn. Let's not, let's not rule out some of the (laughs) counterbalances. We will, we will get into diet a little bit because it's so, it's so critical. But you do, you are also turning your body into a literally a high performance. I always joke like race cars don't get good gas mileage. They just burn everything you put in them, which is also the world of a high performance physical body. 
what I want most, what 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 I want most versus what I want now. I I love that, and something I've used many. Have you heard? Uh, I think it's the marshmallow test where they put a kid in a room and they say a five year old, and they say, "I'll give you one marshmallow now, and I'll, or I'll come back in ten minutes and I'll give you five marshmallows." And they've made a correlation between, and I'm I'm butchering this a little bit, but I believe it is marshmallows. I used to think it was cookies, but it's not. It's <laughs> and it's about delayed Either gratification. Way. It's about delayed gratification. If, if you're into marshmallows, chocolate chip cookies, I think would be better because that'd be tough for most people. The children that were able to wait the five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever the timeline was, showed long-term, like incredibly more successful trajectories in their lives because they were able to manage delayed gratification. What I want most versus what I want right now. The kids that ate the mushrooms, I made the mushrooms. Well, that's a whole different conversation. The kids that ate the magic <laughs> mushrooms, the kids that ate the magic mushrooms had a whole different life. The kids that ate the marshmallows actually, <laughs> wow, that's, there we go. Where, where's my head out this morning? Um, without being able to wait for the five, the, the, the bigger payoff down the road, actually statistically were shown to, to be less successful, quote unquote, in, in our traditional world in their lives because they weren't able, able to manage the future pacing of the want. So I love that you brought that up, what I want most versus what I want now. And then the training of the discipline. Talk to me about discipline gives you freedom because a lot of things, a lot of times people will hear discipline and they think it actually means the opposite. Yeah, and you know what? Discipline is something that I think a lot of people don't recognize like i've had people say um because i work out a lot and very hard and they're like oh you're obsessed you're obsessed anyone who's successful at anything is obsessed it's not actually obsession it's discipline nice and they misconstrue it and as far as i'm concerned discipline is what lazy people mistake for success so (laughs) (laughs) i I love (laughs) it when i think of Katie, I love that we're, I love we're having a real conversation today. There's no screwing around. And this is, um, and I, discipline. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. It's, it's a way to kind of almost degrade it or devalue it or, 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 or calling it something bad. You feel so better you, about yourself yes, you because do. you're not doing yeah. it. Yeah, you do. Which is pretty much, I think I told you, it was, this is the reason I started the show. I got so tired of people going, oh, look at so-and-so. They're lucky or, oh, they're just obsessed or they're crazy. There's something wrong with them. What are they running from? What are they running towards? Maybe is another conversation where you can where you can ask that. And the discipline has that always been yeah. something. Were you raised that way? Did that get quote unquote beaten into you at a young age? And I say that very. I, that's not even a good joke. But Lovingly. I grew up in a farm in a, in a rural <laughs> environment where if you didn't work hard, like you just like your value wasn't there. Like it was an environment where work was a prerequisite. So I grew up like that, and I didn't know any different until I got older. But it so much sets the tone. So in a in a, in a loving way. But have you been grown? Have you grown up around an environment of discipline since day one? sort of my dad was extremely disciplined um which has always been wonderful he's such an incredible role model but i think when i discovered sports i was around 14 it was such an incredible thing to me and i learned very very quickly that the amount of work i put into it was the amount of war or amount of i guess success if you will that i'll get out of it Mm. as long as you you learned the the one-to-one right away nice Yeah, yeah. yeah quite quickly and i'm very competitive and i like winning but ultimately i like i think hitting or surpassing my potential if you will like, I don't ever want to look back and think, oh, if I just worked harder leading up to it or in it or during, could I have done better? Like, I am my own biggest competition, and I hate the thought of not fulfilling what I think I'm capable of. And sports at a young age really is what I'm hearing. And for anyone listening, from a 
building character, you know, oh, sports bring character, get your kids involved in martial arts or extracurricular activity. But what it did is someone, it's not that necessarily you were taught it, but you saw it, you observed, you went, oh, hey, if I do this, I get this, I want more of that. Let's, and I'm assuming that worked its way into all aspects. As again, I have this email in front of you. At 17, she moves to Michigan to attend three bachelor's degrees in international business law, banking, and finance. I'm assuming this permeated <laughs> all of your life. Three majors. I've got, the, I've got this three email. bachelor's degrees. Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. I'm reading your sister's email directly. But I'm, I'm, you know, we're talking about sports a lot, and it's fun because it's, it's, you know, kind of look at it in awe. But from an academic perspective, it sounds like you brought the same level of I'm here to I'm here to kick ass and take names and I'm all out of names kind of mindset to your uh, your career as well from a, from an academics perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I figure, I mean, just, I like to read generally. I like to learn, but I figure I'm here. Why wouldn't I take advantage? Why wouldn't (laughs) I try and learn as much as humanly possible? Like when I got my master's of law, I had the opportunity to pick between 10 different universities around the world, which was very cool. So of course I picked the one with the most rigorous program because I figured if I'm going to do it, of course you let's did. try and get the you crazy you crazy person you i love it i love it <laughs> but it's like why would you sell yourself nice. short why would you not make yourself learn the most you can or be put in an environment that will push you make you vulnerable right mm. like that that just seems silly to me otherwise i feel like you're wasting your life to be honest. <laughs> no I, I get it were you in michigan was that on a scholarship how did you michigan just seems like a random name to pop out of the the list here <laughs> Totally. Yeah. I was on a full ride track scholarship with the 400 hurdles. Very cool. You have been, you've been, you've been the high performance version of you for a long time since, since who was, who are you before 14? Cause you said 14 was kind of when really sports showed up in your life, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> I climbed a lot of trees. I beat up a lot of boys. <laughs> I beat up a lot. You know, in both ways, but yeah, yeah, no, fair enough, fair, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, no, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get do a few fights. You're gonna win some. You're gonna lose some. It's just how it goes. Uh, You don't really know who you are until you've lost your first fight, and you're like, oh, this is the humbling experience. I don't want to have again. (laughs) It is, but you know what? I firmly believe that everyone should be punched in the face at least once in their life. (laughs) My friend always says, if more people got punched in the face, more people would think twice about their actions. Right, man, when you it's when you get punched in the humbling. nose, you, you never want to get punched in the nose again. It sucks. <laughs> it's just some more. I think the world would be a better place in. if there was more of that. Oh no, 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 kidding. Um, <laughs> I can't help but ask. It's it's not, it's. I love celebrating the awesome, the awesome, the journey, and the amazing, and the don't be vulnerable, but don't be a bitch. And it's really fun to glamorize it. But some there's there's ups and there's downs from this intense level of why not put yourself into the hardest program possible? Why not run the, the toughest race course that you could possibly run? Cause anything less than that mm-hmm. would be, you know, playing short on yourself from your perspective. And this is really open question. What's been the compromise? Has it been relationships? Has it been, uh, I, I don't know, a family. I'm just curious. There's always a compromise and there's always a trade-off and the trade-off was clearly the worth it or we wouldn't make the choices we make. But sometimes it's easy to overlook that, yeah, all this time, it maybe has left me vulnerable in certain areas. And I don't know how vulnerable you want to be. So I'll let you take this question wherever you want. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think that it definitely bleeds into every other aspect of your life. I mean, some hard things have been, I spent 10 years living abroad. So I was away from my family for significant periods of times. And I missed a lot of important events. Um, and that that was that's been really challenging 
And there's a level of loneliness that comes with it when you are overseas or in a different country or you're just by yourself and you're taking on these really big challenges that aren't just physically demanding, they're mentally and emotionally demanding. And I think a lot of people don't think about the emotional piece about it. So that has definitely been difficult. Uh, I think I think sometimes you're one man on an island or on top of a mountain or whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever the metaphor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the other piece of it is a lot of people, unless you've experienced something similar yourself, they just don't get it. So they can't really truly empathize. And even though they're wonderful and they try to or they want to, they just they just don't get it. And there's, I think, another feeling of loneliness and isolation in that piece as well. You can be around a lot of people and still feel alone, right? <laughs> exactly. Has that led, I'm assuming some of your friends or close friends or people in your life are people that are also in the athletic space or in the high performing, like, again, there is, there is that like, no, you get it right. You, like, you know, we might be different or we might come from different backgrounds, but we both do this thing. Right. So we understand what that takes. I'm assuming there's been a lot of common ground found. And f- again, what is what I hear? Family is the friends, you, uh, friends of the family you choose. And I really, I really like that on so mm-hmm. many levels. Cause I moved across the country 23 years ago and left all my family behind. I came from a big family and very quickly that friends of the family you choose started to be, re- be very real for me. Has that been like being away that 10 years? I really appreciate that. And that's not to be taken lightly. Like, yes, I accomplished these amazing things, but I did miss out. Has like some of those key friendships been part of what's kind of kept it balanced for you? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have friends all over the world now. And my experiences have led me to making fantastic friends. But I'd say that my my friend group is actually kind of a mixed bag. Some of them are <laughs> in the athletic world the way I am. Other ones have no inclination to be competitive athletes at all. But what I've found, and I've been almost a little ruthless with this in the last few years, is that as a friend, if you are not contributing to my life in a positive meaningful way, then I don't believe that there's a neutral ground. I believe that you're actually holding me back or hurting me. Even though there's no like malicious or negative intent, it's either we're building each other up, we're trying to push each other forward to do better, to be better, not even as an athlete, as a person. And if you're not doing that, then that then that's actually a negative piece in my life and I don't want that. I'm also a firm believer that if you're not losing friends, you're not growing up. So I think over the last <laughs> I think over the last little while, um, my friend group has both been the same, but also changed. And that's been kind of a beautiful thing because it's really helped me as a person. I really, really appreciate how you framed that. I had a business coach years ago. She said, Tyler, I'm going to tell you right now, you will grow out of almost everyone in your life that's in your life right now. And you you grow up and I moved away. So I don't have the same friends I have in high school. And I find it strange when I know you probably have friends or, you know, I've been hanging out with the same group for 25 years. I'm like, that is so weird to me. I can't even process that information. I'm like, how are you guys? I completely agree. Have you all gone in a different direction? So I love what you said. If you just like, it's like somebody like, oh, I went snowboarding and I didn't fall down today. I'm like, were you not even trying? How did you mean you didn't fall down? Like losing friends, you're not growing. That's such a powerful statement. And not, not probably a popular one to say out loud. So I love that you said it like, oh no, no, that's very mean. And that's the, but you're right. We grow out of each other and that's okay. We should actually. And for the ones you don't, 
you probably should marry them. Uh, I did, and it worked out because we grew because <laughs> because we've grown we grew together alongside on our own paths. Once we realized that, hey, the more we each grow as individuals, and then keep going, yeah, no, this still works. Yeah, it still works. Boom, twenty years goes twenty years goes by. <laughs> but if you didn't grow as an individual, ugh, somewhere that was going to blow up. Anyways, this is not a this is not a marriage advice with Tyler. <laughs> I got, well, I got 20 years. That's my part. only track record. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's, and that's incredible. I think, I think the tricky part, especially for me, because I'm an extremely loyal, protective friend, uh, I will go to battle for my friends, but I think that there comes a piece of it where you need to stop looking at it as loyalty and be like, Oh, we've been friends for 10, 20 years. I need to stay friends with this person because of time invested cool. But what about your future? What about your future investment? Why are you focusing on the past? You're allowed to let go and move forward. People are allowed to grow in different directions, right? It's okay. And I think that that's stigmatized a lot of the time. So you're totally right. It's in business. It's the sunk cost fallacy. We've invested so much mm -hmm. in this project. We have to keep investing. Maybe you've identified that this project is no longer viable and you should move on. <laughs> and, but we spent so much exactly. money to, to, to learn, to get to here. And now, and now you cut it loose. And I think we oh it's it's kind of lost inversion versus gain like typically i think some of the psychology i'm quoting a lot of like little psych reviews i've read over the years where people will tip with loss aversion you know the 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 potential to gain 5 which maybe means letting go of of the potential to lose 4 most people will stick with the the i, I don't want to lose the 4 to gain potential to, and not gain the 5 i'll stick with my my fear of not losing something versus my potential to gain which i'm really hearing you say from a friend perspective has that been tough as a, as, a, as, a, as a person going through the world? We all need other people. We're all part of a village and people raise us up. And yes, we can be very self-sufficient, but you know, getting thrown out of the tribe many, many thousands of years ago meant death. So there is a certain need for humanity to, to, kind, of, to, to kind of stick. But you want to pick your wolf pack very carefully. I'm going to pick you and my wolf pack because I think you would. I like the, I will, I will go to battle for you ruthlessly. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. But has that, I'm, I'm assuming that's been a challenge to either like relationships and well, I'm going way down the personal road right now too. So uh, it's, it sounds like a, it's, it's a super strength and it's a superpower, but also that challenge of that getting back to being alone again, it must be an interesting juggling act for you over the years. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think um, over the last few years have been a significant growth period for me. So I've both made a lot of wonderful friends and I've lost a lot of friends and there is for sure a loneliness piece of it because when you choose to, or someone else chooses to remove you from their life, when you choose to remove someone from your life, mm. there's now that hole, right? But on the same token, you only have so much time and energy and whatever you can give to your relationships. And I'm a relationship person. Like I am a social person. I really value my relationships. I love my alone time, but I, I am definitely a very social person. And I think that you only have so much energy available for yourself and for other people. So when you're holding on to people that maybe don't need to be held on to anymore, you're allocating energy towards them. When if you made space, let them go, make space, have opportunity for growth, you then have space for newer, better people to come in. And if you don't make that space, there's no room for them. So they can't come in, right? <laughs> So you just opportunity, you opportunity have to cost, trust. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like you've got to take that leap of faith and trust yourself, and trust that what you're doing is for the better, even if it's hard or lonely or messy for a whatever duration of time. I love the I love the word messy. Has that trust in yourself? Is that something that's evolved? You know, as as we get, you know, oh, you know, time cures all. I don't agree. Time only cures all if you work at it. No, and you change your beliefs. I don't think time cures anything. Actually. <laughs> 
Time to um, secure anything. <laughs> unless you unless you work at it. But when you talk about that trust in yourself, is that something, you know, and you said it very consciously, which I really, really appreciate. You're very deliberate with your words, which I really, really love, which I love. That's often a gift that comes with time. and But time tied with awareness. Like, huh, okay, this happened. Hmm, I observed this. I learned this. I maybe act faster, do it differently, skip all the, hmm, I wonder to just go right to, I trust the outcome. And after you've been through things a few times, there is a degree of trust has that evolved for you over time? Are you have you always had that innate? I trust myself. I know I'm making the right decision. I'm just going to go forward. Or has that evolved also for you over, over time? Uh, a bit of both. I've always had strong instincts. I've always kind of be my own person, if you will. Peer pressure has never really been an issue for me. Um, I have very, I am very comfortable whether it's saying it eloquently or outright, telling someone to fuck off. Like I just. <laughs> fight me i don't care like you do you i'm gonna do me whatever your issues are okay so it's definitely always been there to an extent but i think over the last few years it's developed even more significantly in the sense that while i care about a handful of opinions i don't care about the majority of them because no one's me no one knows what's going through my head or my body or my heart whatever it is so I don't give much credence to the unsolicited opinions of strangers, right? But that trust in myself has definitely developed significantly when I realized that, how do I say this? What other people are trying to do with their lives doesn't really matter because I know what I'm trying to do with mine. Hmm. So I trust myself to do what's best for me and hopefully as a positive byproduct for the people around me and that I, people that I care about. I'm not trying to hurt anyone ever. Um, I want everyone to be happy, healthy, fulfilled, all that. But I'm going to do what I need to do and whether that's going to a party and not drinking anything um, and people being like, that's so weird, why not? Or being like, <laughs> I'm going to skip this and I'm going to go train or... I'd rather study or I'd rather go to this family function than like out to the bar, whatever you have it. I just, I'm so, I've become so comfortable in my own skin that I'm like, I'm good. So I don't really give a shit what you think or what you think I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Like I'm good. So. Which I'm going to get, I, I love it. It's so good. I, the facial expressions in the body language that no one else sees with me where you're like throwing <laughs> your hands in the air like, I'm good, man. I'm good. I am super good. So you can just think what, it, has that also allowed you to show up for other people, those friends, and, and you're a fierce and, 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 and ruthless friend in, in that sense. But I also assuming if you're creating that much comfort with yourself, that's also a gift for other people of letting them just show up to where like meet people where they're at, not where you want them to be. And since you're so comfortable with where you're at, I'm assuming that that works both ways as well. I'm guessing. I'm just getting to know you. But I imagine if you're okay with you, you're probably not running around thinking other people should be different either. You're just happy to let them be. And if it aligns with you, cool. And if it doesn't, also cool. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's not about trying to change people ever. I think that you can't change people. I think that people need to change if they want to themselves, if they want to, if they don't want to, whatever. Um, That's not my place to put forward that pressure or that energy. But ultimately, I want the people I care about to just be happy and healthy and fulfilled and wherever they are in their journey. I mean, I've been in places where I've been struggling or messy or growing and the people around me have been 
really wonderful and they've offered me a lot of grace. So all I want to be able to do is offer that grace back as well, because none of us are perfect. We're always going to have shit that we're trying to grow through and develop through and learn from. So I, I hope that I can offer that and that I do offer that as a friend. That, I like work, that's I like all I grace. want for those people. Yeah. Well, that's what we want for others. We want for ourselves. Um, extent, she has done extensive volunteering advocacy work in the world of youth addictions here in Calgary, talking about meeting people where they're at and, and, and applying some of what you've learned in your journey and your potential to be a, uh, an advocate, a supporter, uh, just a, maybe an ear, a shoulder. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that work and why that's important to you. And like, what, where, you know, where do you find the time? And I, I'm assuming you find the time because it matters, but tell us a little bit about that, about that work. I think it's important to kind of balance the story here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And I can't um, speak certain names uh, course, for legal purposes, but yeah, I worked at a, in connection um, with my job as a lawyer, work for a rehabilitation facility for drug addicted teenagers. And it was incredible work. I am so grateful I was able to be a part of it, but in many ways it was also absolutely heartbreaking. And it offered me so much insight into a world that I have an understanding of, but you don't, it's, it goes back to um, what we were talking about earlier. You just don't get it if you haven't been a part of it or seen it. And to be in this environment and see how these kids' lives have been basically torn to shreds, it, one, makes you very grateful for everything that you have and that you do, but it also gives you insight into something that I personally have never experienced. So especially with the lifestyle that I live, that's just not my world. But to be able to help was remarkable. Uh, and I'm so grateful that I was able to be a part of that and also learn because I learned so much from these kids. From being involved in that, was there a period of time for you? Because I've, I've had other friends that have worked in, in, in different versions of that space. And they said, you know, a lot of times I've heard, that's why I'm just kind of fishing around for your experience around. Mm -hmm. When you first show up, you, you want to offer the help and you want like, versus just allowing them to be or meeting them where they are and not having to run in with your answers or your, or, or your cape on or you're on your white horse or however you want to portray that. And for a few individuals that I know, they said that was their biggest takeaway is like, these people just need to be heard. They need to know someone cares about them. You're not going to ride in on your white stallion and save, their, and save them. That's just not how it's going to go. But for some of us who are very action oriented, which I know you are, that can be a real dichotomy of just mm -hmm. sit with it versus what can I do? What can I fix? This is not your fix. <laughs> I don't know. Was that, what? how was that, how was that, how was that, how was that for you? <laughs> I mean, that's whether it's with um, that situation or anyone, sometimes you're, <laughs> you're on the outside looking and you just want to be like, Hey, if you do X, Y, and Z, I think your life would really improve in this way and this way and this way. Yeah. But that's not how life works. And we don't know the full story of anyone with anything. So that's, that's actually part of where I really, started to learn the aspect of grace because you can't save people. They have to save themselves. And a lot of the time, all people really need, and I'm such an aggressive person. I'm a very tough love person, but to be able to say, I think that sometimes people just need to be loved hmm. is, I guess, if you know me, an interesting thing coming from me. And why, why, why do you say that? What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> I don't, I don't know you. So why would you say that? Okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, like, like I just said, I, I'm a big <laughs> proponent of tough love. 
Um, I think that sometimes people need to hear a hard truth and they need to get out of their own way because self-sabotage, I believe, is very prevalent in society nowadays. But when you have someone, whether it's these kids that have incredibly difficult addictions that they're trying to overcome, like you said, sometimes you just need to meet them in their space and just hold their hand and just be present because your presence is more important than you fixing anything that you could possibly try and fix successful or not successful. How much did you, how much did you learn or grow? Cause the, you know, to do something like that, it's amazing what we all get out of it as, as individuals and, you know, to teach us to learn and to all, all, all those, all those sayings. Uh, did that, did that, I'm assuming that had impact on you as well in a lot of ways in, in terms of being involved in those, those are intense environments to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a lot. And as someone who uh, has not, nor will ever participate in drug use, it really gave me insight into that world. And I, I'm like, it's, it's so interesting because a lot of people think that because you don't participate in something, you're ignorant, you're naive towards it. That definitely wasn't the case, but this certainly gave me far more um, insight and experience with it. But I, oh goodness. I remember uh, the first time that I started working there, the um, person who was running, it was like, look, I want you to give an understanding of what you're fighting for with respect to um, the legal world. So I sat in on a group session, a group therapy session, my first day. And I just had a chair at the back of the room. No one really knew I was there. None of the kids cared. I was there. The therapist didn't care. I was there. No one, I was like a little ghost in the corner. And 10 minutes in, I was just sobbing. Like, and I, I'm, I'm much better at showing, oh, letting out my emotions now. But at that point in my life, I was not a crier my emotions stayed nice and tight and bottled up. Like I held it in very well. And I just bawled for an hour straight. And what was so incredible is the other therapists that were kind of at the back, taking their notes, doing whatever they were doing, just kind of walked up, gave me a box of Kleenex. They didn't think anything of it. There was zero judgment, zero thought behind it. They just made space for me and my emotions and offered me grace. And they just, let me ball like a baby in the back corner of this room. That's amazing. I love they're bottled up nice and tight and <laughs> someone knocked the top off the bottle, right? <laughs> My well, God, I was a wreck for hours, hours, if not days. And do you look back at that? Uh, you, you're, do you look back at that as a positive experience now? <laughs> it seems like a weird thing to ask. <laughs> Best thing ever uh, happened or like <laughs> WTF, what was that all about? <laughs> yeah, I look back as a positive experience because like, again, it put me very far outside my comfort zone. I was clearly super vulnerable. I'm literally a train wreck in the corner. My mascara is running down my face. And meanwhile, these kids are relaying stories and their experiences that are absolutely heart-wrenching. And talking about how their lives have basically fallen apart, their families, everything. So it was both eye-opening and a growth experience. And I'm very grateful to be allowed into that because it definitely made me better as a person. Is that something you still, does that still find, do you still find time in your life for that today? Are you, are you still involved with that? No, no. It. Um, I was allowed the opportunity because of my work. I no longer work oh, okay. there. So 
unfortunately, S- no. Situation, situation, situation has changed. Yeah. Um, this is a weird pivot, but we're since we're talking about addiction and drugs, we should talk about food because for so many people, <laughs> that's yeah. where that that's where that lives. Um, so we're going to post some pictures on this so anyone's going to see, but you are jacked and ripped. We're just going to say both those things because anybody who knows what I mean, they know exactly what I mean. Talk to me about <laughs> and food can be a weird, like people's relationship with like fitness is one thing. People's relationship with food is a whole other bag of tricks. I worked for years in the world of fitness coaching and nutrition coaching and fitness was easy. Sets, reps, do this. As long as you showed up, did the thing, you could get mm-hmm. results. But food, that was a whole other bag of emotional baggage. <laughs> how, how do you eat? What do you follow? How do you stick with it? Give us a little bit of your kind of rundown of like, how do you, how do you, how do you fuel the beast? Mm. Oh goodness. Okay. And this has changed in the last few months simply because okay. the volume of training I do with respect to my race requires me to eat more and ingest a bunch of carbs. Now, that being said, I've never been a big fan of carbs. Uh, My body and everybody's body is different. So please don't take this as a nutritional Bible that you should go try and implement. Katie's gospel that works for everybody? Yeah, exactly. This is what works for you. This is what works for you. So what works for me is I ate less carbs. My body was happier with that. I would generally recover faster. Um, I felt better or I've remained with the exception of a broken collarbone, relatively injury-free, knock on wood. And I would eat and still do eat significant amounts of protein. Now, my wonderful coaches shit on me all the time and say, too many protein bars and I need to eat more meat. I eat a lot of meat, but- protein. I'm going like, to bust your balls. Protein <laughs> bars aren't, aren't eating protein. That's eating someone's version of something else. So, anyways, okay, that's, so I'll, get off my, I'll get off my soapbox <laughs> on that one. I'm like- that is not eating protein, but whatever. Okay, anyways, please go on. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment. <laughs> oh, I know. I've heard the diet tribe. I've cut <laughs> sure back I just, I just love them like okay, the little weirdo enough. that I am. But yeah, significant amounts of protein, a lot of meat, a lot of eggs, a um, lot of Fairlife milk. And I focused, yeah, a lot on that. And then moderate amounts of fats. I, a lot of it comes from meat. I love butter so half of what i eat is basically just a conduit for butter but <laughs> i also discovered <laughs> butter in the last couple of years so i think according to your sister yeah. you and i have fall very similar nutritional and that's been a journey of 20 years of figuring out what works and trying different things and you know and people say well, what do you eat i'm like this is just what i do for me do not apply anything to it beyond that <laughs> and i'm not a huge vegetable person and everyone's like oh vegetables vegetables one of my coaches makes me have the stupid vegetable powder stuff in the mornings and I hate it and I curse him every single day, but I'm a big fruit person. Uh, yeah. So there's a lot of research. Meat, that a lot of, that a lot of the vegetables aren't a foregone conclusion. There's certain ve- vegetables that are very inflammatory. I deal with gut issues. So of course I've mitigated a lot of yes. the lectins. And so I don't eat a lot of those and my digestion is way better. And I'll eat a vegetable, but it's yeah. more like a root vegetable, like a squash or a butternut squash or something that's really low from an inflammatory and easy to digest. And I've got rid of all my greens. And I feel way better for it. So and now that you and I are comparing notes, because I know I think mm-hmm. you're, and, and, and your sister has shared with me, you guys have, oh, you guys have similar views on things. And it goes against what we've all been thrown out there. But for my body, it just feels better when I don't eat them. <laughs> it just does. <laughs> and you know what? I feel the same way. I eat a lot of sweet potatoes and a lot of beets. And otherwise, mm. I'm a fruit base. I, my body feels better when I'm not eating a ton of the oh, things like both. kale. Oh, God. Nope. Past. No, I don't eat any leaf. I don't eat any leafy greens at all. Apples, berries, uh, fruit, or like squash. Um, 
I do like beets as well. If I even even have cucumbers, I peel the skin off. <laughs> I've, I skin, I peel the skin off, or I, I'll eat zucchini, but I'll take the skin off because it's the rest is easy to digest and I'm less gassy, way more energy, better digest. Like yeah, I'm 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 with you. It's an interesting journey, but it goes against everything we've quote unquote been taught. But for my own personal digestive tract, it just doesn't like it. <laughs> it just doesn't. <laughs> No, it's the exact same for me. And I, I mean, I've talked to some um, people who would be considered professionals in the health world, yeah. whatever, um, more so just to ask questions out of curiosity, because they're also athletes, and I'd like to just learn. But I eat almost uh, between 180 and 220 pr- grams of protein a day. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, like, I'm very active, I lift a lot of weights, but I eat a protein focused diet. And one of the nutrition people I was talking to was like, that's insane. Why? Why so much? Why not more carbs? Why not this? My body loves it. It is happier this way. And I don't really care what every nutrition person thinks I should be doing with this, that, and everything. Don't get me wrong. I have a well-balanced whatever for my performance, but my body's just happier. And if my body's happier, why would I change that? And I think it's such a, it well, comes back to your original. I don't care what the rest of the world thinks. I find out what works for me. <laughs> and, you know, I think we're all chasing, I think what really comes down to nutrition, I'm going to get on my own soapbox a little bit. It's just a personal accountability and a personal commitment to figuring it out. It's not like follow this diet and follow that diet and blindly and see what works. You've got to have a little bit of a relationship with your body to find out what works for you. And unfortunately, I think so many people are very, they're living in a body that they're completely disconnected from. And I think that's at the root of so much. Why do yes. you think we chase all these external frameworks of like, eat this way or eat that way? What works for you? Oh, I don't know. Pizza? I'm like, mm, probably doesn't, you know, you know, if you don't get the results you want. And, but we're so disconnected from our bodies. And that isn't just going out and being an extreme athlete. I think we've lost, we're physical beings and we've lost, we've created a world that almost removes physicality from it. It's not a healthy, well, look at our health numbers. Look at our crisis in healthcare. Like it's not working folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't just me on my soapbox saying, I don't think it is. But I appreciate as an athlete, you're left with no choice but to be connected with your food because it literally, back to the race car joke, it's the fuel you put in the tank. And if you put in junky fuel, you're probably not going to win F1 that day. That's a weird, anyways, you know where I'm going with that. (laughs) (laughs) But interesting on the the protein and what you've experimented with there and found out for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's good for me. And I definitely agree to your point that people are disconnected from their bodies. I think it's well beyond nutrition though i think that that's kind of an emotional spiritual piece that yeah it is mm. my observation is that people are really struggling with and i mentioned earlier that i find that i really trust myself and part of being comfortable and i guess in tune with my body if you will is that when there's either whether it's negative or strange or just different any type of energy or I guess if you eat something strange, like you feel it immediately because you know then what feels good. You're used to when things are in tune physically, emotionally, mentally. So when something's off, whether it's just different or negative, you know it so quickly and you can then address address it or avoid it or make changes as necessary. I really appreciate your comment on that, on the softer side or the more qualitative side of intuition. Mm-hmm connectivity, you know, emotional, spiritual. I love that you throw those, throw those words in there. And, you know, there's lots of people saying now, and depending on what school of thought you come through is like a lot of our challenges, how disconnected we are from the natural world, i.e. the world around us, nature, things that were much more who we were as a species up to at least the last kind of hundred years where we then decided to move to cities and live in concrete jungles. And we're not, and I, I think that there is a knock on effect of when you're disconnected from the world around you, 
it's hard to then be connected to yourself. And I really appreciate your journey of, of just even, even saying those words, because sometimes people are like, oh, that sounds fluffy. It can mean different things to different individuals and what school of thought you come from. But that sense of intuition, that's a gift that we have that a lot of times just gets detuned to the point we don't even hear it anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. And I'm not a religious person. Um, I never have been. But one thing that I do believe is that energy doesn't lie. well said well said yeah and if you're and sometimes your intuition will flare and like you won't really know why but it'll be there if you're very in tune with your body it'll be much stronger much louder but if you listen whether it's with meeting a new person or doing something or maybe considering an opportunity or even just an experience do i do it do i not do it energy doesn't lie listen to that energy listen to your body because it's going to be honest with you when your mind will play fuckery <laughs> my mind is full of fuckery oh my god yeah i see why your sister put us together because we have a lot in common i would say in a very very broad 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 term I read a book years ago called the gift of fear by gavin de becker and he was a senior kind of security uh, analyst or contributor at, at the u.s government level and he talked about growing about how we our society kind of detunes our intuition and how that is such a, we're being robbed of this gift. And he grew up in an environment with an abusive father. And so he became very intuitive when violence was going to happen in his environment. And he parlayed that into his career and how he you know, worked in security and, and with law enforcement and those types of things. But I really appreciated his comment on like, where we, we all are given this gift of intuition, but then our society through intellectual fuckery says, oh yeah, it's not right to feel that mm-hmm. way. You shouldn't, you shouldn't feel uncomfortable. You should, you should, and then lots of shoulds versus actually just listen to that intuition because rarely will it let you down. And he wrote a whole book about it, which I thought was really interesting all around keeping yourself safe primarily. And he focused very much on women in our society tend to be a little bit more vulnerable from a, um, a predatory perspective with males being the predators that so many situations can be avoidable if you start to trust your intuition. He was, it was really written from an empowerment perspective, but I, I just uh, appreciated how we put a whole book around the simple concept you and I are talking about right now. <laughs> oh my gosh, absolutely. And I mean, it's not to say that men aren't susceptible to of anything course. dangerous mm-hmm. as well, but as a woman, and it comes back to, you just don't get it if you don't get it. As a guy, I can't imagine that it's even possible to truly understand what it's like to be scared as a woman. Because end of the day, like, and I'm, I'm strong. I am capable. I learned how to fight when I was seven, but against most guys, men are just stronger. You're stronger. You're faster. It just is what it is. Science. I'm not trying to deny it. So let's be a little bit smarter rather than, you know, pretend that I can take on a dude who's six foot, 200 pounds. (laughs) Come on. And 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 to and I love that you said that because as a smaller guy, I've done a lot of martial arts, a lot of fighting. A guy who's got forty pounds on me has has a huge advantage over me. Like, mm-hmm. there's no question. I have to be more ruthless and more violent. And you know, everybody's eyes are vulnerable. Doesn't matter how big you how big you are. And you learn that really quickly, uh, even more so than uh, other genitals that you think would be more vulnerable. The eyes, the biggest guy in the world will cave if you if you stick your thumb in his eye, as I learned when I was right. doing Krav for a bunch of years. But there's no <laughs> question that a 40, 50 pound uh, weight advantage is, is a huge significant in a, in a combat sport environment. I've been really noticing this lately, and maybe it's just my own becoming aware of this. Like I'll get in, I get into an elevator with another single, there's a, a woman in there by herself. I'm very, I want to be, I try to be very respectful of what she might be thinking. She doesn't know who I am. Am I a threat? Am I not? I don't know her background. 
I met a woman mm-hmm. in a hallway today this morning. I was at an appointment. We were just walking. She was going one or the other. And she and I saw her pull in a little bit as she passed me. And I was like, wow, I'm just walking. I'm oblivious to the world around me. I'm just walking. It's eight in the morning. I'm checking my phone. I got to get home because I got to do a podcast with you. And I saw her. I felt her energy kind of flinch. I was like, wow, like how do how can I be more just, again, we all live in our own journey, but just being respectful of sometimes the impact you have on the people around you. And I saw, lately I've been coming more in tune to that. I don't know why. First time I've even said it out loud, but I physically saw her flinch today. And I, pff, I, the last thing on my mind was even her. I was focusing on my podcast with you. I had to get home and get mm-hmm. in front of my camera and get that going. And I saw her hesitate. And I don't know, it just left me with it. Clearly it's on my mind. I'm two hours later, I'm, I'm mentioning it to you now. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that, but just try to be respectful and meet everyone where they are and understand that sometimes uh, you don't know what that person's been through. <laughs> I'll take that lesson out of it. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it. And I don't know about it. I can't speak for any other woman, but I know for me, if I ever end up in a situation where I'm alone with a man that I don't know, that's the first thought that goes through my head. Like, do I need to make sure that I'm in a position that I can either get away or take care of myself? Or physically crush him. <laughs> I, I don't want to rule out that as an option. I don't want to rule out that I mean as an that option. Too. All right, motherfucker. <laughs> You're tougher than this. Don't be a bitch is what I quoted right out at the beginning of our call <laughs> to support that. But no, I really appreciate the reality. Katie, I love how just honest and like so good to get. Like I said, we knew each other, but I didn't really know you. Part of like so many motivations I have why I do these episodes. I get to meet people and just have a real, like a truly real conversation about fears and, you know, What's next for you? What's down the road? Is it like you're 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 you've relit the uh, competitive fire? It sounds like, and obviously career. I know your career is kicking ass. What's the next couple of years? Is it is it you know winning uh, winning it all? Is it continuing to compete? What do you, what what have you got on your on your plans? What's what's on Katie's um, um, vision board? <laughs> if you, if it, people still do oh, this. God. vision board or mood board, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't whatever. What's 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 in the plans? What's the future? What's <laughs> the, what, what does the next couple of years hold? So the next couple of years, I have absolutely no idea. I barely plan next week in advance. I think, and so I'm 33 um, for anyone who has no idea. Not that I know. Why would anyone know that? Anyways, I'm 33. So (laughs) I never, I don't ask women, I don't ask women's ages. So I'm I'm glad you volunteered (laughs) it. I was not going to ask it. (laughs) Of course. But, uh, and I put that out there as context for, I am going to spend the next year maybe two maybe three but the next year at the least and i'm only thinking about that duration of time as an athlete focused person that's i'm focusing on the athletics um while i have the physical capability to do so and i think it's really cool that women in their 30s are kind of finding their stride and hitting their peak as athletes, which is so neat because everyone always used to think it's your early twenties. Um, but especially when it's with endurance athletes, turns out women in your thirties are being awesome. They hold a lot of the world records. So <laughs> I'm going to focus on that for the next year and then I'll figure it out after. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. It was not a trick. There's no pressure at that question. I was just curious. I was yeah. just curious as well, but I like what you said about I read something year, years ago when they said, you know, this whole life balance thing, stop thinking about it all and happening it in a day or a week. Think about it in phases. And you, like you said, the next couple of years, I'm going to be in my athlete phase. I'm going to focus on that. And that's going to be my priority. And that's what's important to me. And sure, there's other stuff that will come and go, but that's the overarching theme. And I, I, I think there's a lot of freedom in that versus like, oh no, I need to do this. And by this date and no, I'm in my athlete journey and things will unfold. And, you know, clearly uh, I love what you said about really finding your stride. Mm-hmm. 
I, I love how age is also being redefined across the board, right? <laughs> yeah. And I, I got, I got a few interesting questions. I was talking to someone a few weeks ago and they were like, Oh, okay. So you're, you're becoming even more of an athlete in your thirties. Like, shouldn't you be focused on your career, climbing that corporate ladder? Shouldn't you be focused on getting married and having kids clocks, clocks, clocks. And I was in my head thinking, <laughs> Who gives a fuck? Like, yeah, yeah. That's not my, my clock. That's your, awesome. that's your clock. Yeah. 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 Like, I love I'm stoked my- about what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, but we have paradigms and we have frameworks and we have belief structures that we want to put you in. And you know what you notice when your friends have kids and they all want you to have kids and your friends get married and they all want you to get married. I'm like, hey, how about you do something awesome with you? Because if I'm going to be friends with you, I want to be friends with people that are living awesome lives, whatever that definition is. Mm-hmm. Maybe explains my very eclectic group of friends, but yeah, that's my version. But don't you, don't you find there's the marriage club and the kid club and the, the retire club and all that? Come on, come join us. It's so good over here. It's like, no, no, I'm cool. I'm good. I'm just going to do my thing here over here. <laughs> yeah. And that's the interesting thing is I don't think that we need to follow quote unquote, traditional paths anymore. I think that we can do what's best for us in our own time on our own journey. And like we talked about losing friends. I mean, I have friends that are in all different places in their lives, whatever society says for our paths. And the ones that have continued to be in my life are the ones that even though maybe they're married and um, ready to have their second or third kid, they're still very supportive of what I'm doing, my journey. There's no pressure to adhere to what they're doing so that they feel like someone's part of their club or so that <laughs> they feel the better about the decisions the that they goes. made. Yeah. Like I have friends but, that got but, married in their early twenties. Right. And they're super happy and they're stoked that I'm doing what I'm doing and they're doing what they're doing. So it's cool. I'm going to take a wild guess that most of the friends you have are probably people that like you are very comfortable with what it is that they're doing, whether it's like what you're doing or not, it doesn't matter because they're very centered in what they do. And there's a lot to be said for that. I don't know. Yeah. I'm doing my, just you're doing your thing. You love it or hate it. It's your thing, not mine. That's cool. I respect you. I respect you for that. Um, What's the, okay. If somebody wants to learn more about it's high rocks. So highrocks.com is that the best place they could go if they wanted to get some more information. I always want to leave people with a few rabbit holes. They can go down if they want. Mm. Totally. Yeah, I would say so. If you Google it, a million things will come up. The website will come up. There's a full explanation yeah. as to what the race is, which I can walk you through if you want, or you can just, you know, look at it. Um, but yeah, it's everywhere now. Much to my surprise, I significantly underestimated how big it is. Very cool. And if I'm somebody just getting into fitness, this is probably not where I would start, right? You know what, though? I don't think it would be a bad place to start because as oh, with cool. anything, right, it's cool. as hard. Yeah. It's as hard as you make it. So if you hmm. want to be like me and go balls to the wall and try and kill yourself, like, cool, get after it. But if you just want to experience something that pushes you outside your comfort zone, give it a whirl for sure. And there's two different, I guess, divisions, if you will, there's yeah, kind of the normal division and then there's the pro division. So maybe don't jump into a pro race because the <laughs> weights are heavier and it's just, harder but like there's people that i've seen race that it looked like it was kind of their first opportunity to do something like this and i thought that was really cool oh very cool i like i like that how many hours a week do you train a million yeah one million yeah reality Um, (laughs) hour hour a day two hours a day um including kind of the downtime between lifts or workouts or whatever i would say three hours a day Every day, yeah. seven days. Do you take? Do you have off days? Six, six. 
Sunday is rest day. I was told that I need rest days. I must take the rest day. So now I rest day. As they say, you don't build muscle in the gym, right? You build muscle when you recover. But anyways. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever. You keep way. your theories to yourself. Keep yourself, Tyler. <laughs> I don't want to know that. Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with you, do you have a, and there's always a million, right? Do you have a preferred? I, like, obviously, you've got a LinkedIn profile. If someone wants to reach out, do you have a way that, uh, that you prefer for them to reach out? Yeah, I'm not going to give my email on this because That's that cool. could be That's sketchy. Cool. But yeah, um, my Instagram is probably the easiest way or LinkedIn. Uh, but I think LinkedIn has like weird message request friend things. It does, I'm not super well versed uh, on that. So maybe you, you can usually work. You can yeah. In Instagram and what, what's your, I might do I follow you on Instagram. I'm pretty sure I do. I'm not sure I follow everyone else. What's, what's your, what is your Instagram? K A Y T I S I. I don't followed by. And of course, people I know follow back. Oh, you followed me, but I haven't followed you. And you're doing a one-handed hand. Rude. Stage. Screw you. Um, I was, <laughs> man, I'm s- struggling to do, uh, my goal last year was to walk 10 feet uh, on my hands. And I just could never get my balance. I could get the hands and I could hold it. Couldn't get it done. So, and it's still on the list. And then my, had some shoulder flare up. So it's in the, it's paused right now. So I saw you, one of your videos doing a, a handstand walk. So screw you on that. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> I can beat you. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was inspired. I was inspired uh, by that, um, Katie. This was a blast. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for willing to go down. You know, we went, we went down a little bit. The, the you behind the, here's the crazy workout person, and then there's the, what do I feel, and how do I get through things, and how have I, how have I built kind of who I am, and my, in my all my 33 years. You're kind of one of those people to me. You're kind of timeless. I would have no idea. I didn't know how old you. You could be younger. You could oh. be older. I don't. It wouldn't really make any difference. So, hey, guess what? The fitness lifestyle pays off for sure. So kudos to you on that. And thanks for just being honest. And thanks for having a good chat. I, I really love it. I, I appreciate the vulnerability to just kind of say it like it is. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun being here. It's a blast. Thank you so much.